Hello and welcome to a new interview episode of the Retro Game Time Machine Podcast. This week, time travelers, I'm interviewing G to the next level of Twitch and YouTube fame. I am Mash the Newton, and joining me through a series of tubes is G to the next level. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. It's going well. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. This is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> really, really glad to have you on the show. Um, how's your day going so far? It's going great. Day's going great. Just it's a beautiful Friday here in Houston, Texas. So just just basically chilling and working on stuff for the channel. And yeah, just, just another great day. Another day in paradise. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was uh over the past few days I've been watching uh some more of your content on YouTube. I already like know you from watching you on Twitch. Um, but I think I came across you first through Greg Seward's Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Greg's pretty awesome. And oh, um, we go back a ways. Yeah. So I guess, I guess we should just jump right in. I got, I got a whole list of questions for you. <laughs> Fire um, away. Go for it. <laughs> uh, the first one that, that should hopefully be easy for you to answer is tell me the folks at home. Or sorry, tell me and the folks at home a bit about you and what you do. Okay. Well, um, I'm basically an all-purpose retro gaming and retro gaming inspired content creator. Um, I go by G to the next level. Real name is George. Uh, I go by G to the next level mainly because it plays off of Welcome to the Next Level, but with a G like me. And it's all mainly because uh, ever since I was a kid, since 1991, I've been a huge fan of Sega. Like it all really started off in like in 1991 when I got my my Sega Genesis on Christmas. Uh, with three or four games, really. And one of those, of course, being Sonic the Hedgehog. And as somebody who's actually been loving these types of games, like throughout the years, and I still play modern games and everything today, but it always seems to really come back to Sega for me. And the thing is that I actually wanted to do YouTube for many, many years. I mean, like I've only been doing it for roughly about, this is my fifth year. This is my fifth year of doing YouTube now. Wow. And But I've been wanting to do it like well before that, but I didn't really know like, okay, how do I want to do this? Like, what's my style? Like, what's my character? What's my edge? I always say this. It's like, what's your story? Like, what do you really have to bring to the table out of anything? Like, there's always been a way that I wanted to express like how much I love gaming and how much I love video gaming and how I want to have other people tell me their love of video games. And it all just, it snowballs into this awesome effect of video basically sharing everybody's stories and whatnot. And I love that. So I decided, you know, why not share that with the world? And so uh, about six years ago, actually, six years ago, I met up with uh, with my buddy Tyler from my retro life. I met up with him at a convention at Retro Palooza Houston. He invited me to be on the show just to talk about Ghostbusters 2 on the NES. And for a while, I actually was a co-host on his channel. And so I decided to spin off and start my own channel, G to the Next Level. And it's mainly themed, like, most of everything that shows up on YouTube is all retro-focused. Yeah. A little bit, mostly Sega, but sometimes Nintendo, sometimes PlayStation, sometimes others. And then, uh, so yeah, and I've been doing that for roughly that amount of time. And then just within the last year, I decided to start live streaming. Because I thought, well, hey, you know, that seems to be a good way to really connect with the crowd. Yeah. And be able to play some games that maybe I might not necessarily cover on YouTube. And just have fun. It's another extra way to just have fun and talk to people. And it's been a blast. This last year on Twitch has been wonderful. It's been absolutely wonderful wonderful but um not only do i do that i'm also writing a book about the sega genesis yes. as well I, I, uh, as... I learned that from your stream and i love that yes yes it's called growing up genesis that's uh the book that i'm working on right now uh it's basically going to be it's at its heart it's an a to z compendium about the u.s library of the sega genesis but it's not just a compendium piece it's also going to have childhood stories i'm also going to talk about the consoles themselves accessories variants even the 32x so i was gonna talk about the sega 32x as well yeah. so but yeah youtube creator twitch streamer a book writer sometimes blogger sometimes i actually blog on other various websites like racketboard.com and a couple of other things that i do as well oh, yeah. nice. and um yeah that's that's basically what i do 
Great. That I, I love that. Okay. Um, now to get to, I guess my real list of questions, cause I realized that wasn't a question <laughs> a statement I made. Um, so the first question I actually have is what's something about you that most people familiar with your work wouldn't know. Something about me that, that people familiar wouldn't know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's mainly because a lot of people, when they see, especially like if you see the wall behind me and whatnot, and they think it's just like, oh, well, you always started off with Sega. Uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know is that I actually didn't really start off with Sega. I started off with Atari and Nintendo. So when we first really started playing uh, games like me and my dad, we used to go to Bowling Alley and play in the arcade a lot together. Yeah. But the actual first gaming console that I owned was an Atari 5200, nice. which we had the Atari 5200 with the 2600 adapter, like along with it. So we got a chance to play both libraries on. Then after that, we moved on to the NES and then we got the Sega Genesis. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm still like the Genesis is still my top console of all time. But it's funny because like when I tell a lot of people about how much I love the 8-bit NES and how much of a tie it is to my heart, they 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 seem to be surprised. It's like, oh, well, you thought that you started off with Sega? I was like, no, no, no. It, it actually stemmed well before that. So I probably think that that's um that's really one thing that uh, people who are really familiar with my content don't even realize is it's like, well, yeah, Sega's my number one. But at the same token, I do love the 8-bit NES, and I also love the PlayStation 1. Like, the PlayStation 1 is also one of my favorite consoles yeah. ever, ever, ever. So, but yeah, it, it goes beyond just uh, just Sega, really, out of anything. Yes, as somebody who has watched some of your YouTube videos and many hours of you on Twitch, that is also, that, <laughs> I did not know that, so that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I feel like this next question was already touched on a bit when just saying, you know, tell the people at home a little bit about yourself, but what made you start streaming and creating content? I, I decided to start, um, well, I decided to start creating content mainly because I got inspired by other various YouTubers in that same sort of field that I just watched and adored. And, but people always told me all the time, because when I was in college and whatnot, I did speech and debate. I always liked doing a lot of writing. I wanted to be a film script writer at one point in my life. Wow. And so trying to take all these together and then realizing I was just like, you know what? I could do something like this. I could really bring to the table. And, but I think one of the, the biggest factors really out of everything. And, and again, going back to meeting up with my buddy Tyler, because he was doing something similar to this at that time, nobody really was doing Sega. Like at the point in time when I was really looking into doing YouTube, yeah, nobody was really doing Sega. People were doing Nintendo. Maybe there was some PlayStation stuff around here and there, but nobody was really Sega focused. And it's like, well, at going back to, you know, what's your story? What makes you a little bit unique? Because I always tell to everybody, like, if you want to start doing YouTube or Twitch streaming or anything like that, do it. Do it. Absolutely. And don't worry about like, oh, there's so many people like I'm just going to be a, a minnow in a big pond full of big fish and whatnot. Like, no, 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 just do it. It's like if you have an inkling to do it, just do it. But one of my biggest things is like, what's your story? What makes you unique? And that's one of the main pieces that I decided it's like, oh, okay, this is what's going to make me unique. And then just out of a whim, I decided to do a YouTube video about my Sonic collection because people always talk about like, okay, well, you love Sonic the Hedgehog. And they always saw like I would post pictures on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. It's like, we want to see your collection. So I just off the cuff just decided to do a, a video about my Sonic collection at the time. And that video exploded. Like nice. it exploded, like how, how well, and it went well beyond my expectation of what I thought it was going to be for somebody who was just starting a new, right? And so that just really kind of started off the really thought of, okay, well then maybe I could mold this into something that's Sega centric, but not completely Sega focused, but yeah. then that's your, that's your hook. 
that's your job. And then when going into Twitch, I got inspired just by seeing, just by watching several other people that I had been following on Twitch that do retro content and do stuff like that. So it might not get like the grandiose numbers of some of the other streamers out there, but it's not really about that. It's about the community. Yeah. And it's one thing that I saw like all the comments and the love and the support and what uh, on Twitch through the retro community on live streaming, I was just like, I, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. And so once I finally got my equipment together, because that was a little bit of a slog, once yeah. I finally got my equipment together and everything ready for stream, it's just been, it's been a heck of a ride ever since. Nice. I've been doing, yeah, I've been doing Twitch now for a year and it's, it's, it's been amazing. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I do want to have that same sort of love and focus back into YouTube and I'm working on that. But at the same time, it's like, I, it's, it can be, it's very infectious and it just yeah. keeps growing. Like the amount of support and whatnot through there, through that community just keeps growing and it's awesome. So that's what inspires me for that. That's awesome. Yeah, I can attest to that. Uh, <laughs> there's there's really good community in the retro game space on Twitch. There is. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, next question for you. What year did you begin your gaming journey? And then I also kind of have a follow up of what was your first game and what was the first game that you wanted for yourself? Ooh, okay. So, um, I can't really put a year on it okay. because to be completely honest, I don't remember exactly what year this really happened. So That's fair. <laughs> I do remember the first time, cause again, going back to my dad and we, cause they used to have bowling nights every Wednesday night. And whenever, um, I was just like, Oh, Hey, can I go play in the arcade? Cause they had a big arcade in this bowling alley too. And my dad would give me some money. I'm just like, okay, Hey, you know, let's, let's go play some games together for a little bit. Like in between rounds, however, and uh, I do remember the very first video game that I played in that arcade. And it's a shooter by the name of Vanguard. And I don't know if you've ever heard of, of Vanguard before, but uh, it, I, essentially I it's like... I what if I saw it. It's, it's a mixture of like a side-scrolling and like an isometric kind of action game. Sometimes it's okay. top-down too. And I think most people will know it mainly from like the invincibility theme because it sounds a lot, awful lot like, uh, I believe, what is it, Flash Gordon? Like, it sounds an awful lot like Flash Gordon's theme. Okay. So, um, but that was the very first game that I ever played. There was something about the way that those levels came, the way that the colors, because the colors really popped off to me. And, and that just drew to me. And then after playing that one game, like, I just wanted to play more other video games, like, in that particular time. So I think that was really the, that was, that was the, the match to really get things started. But I can tell you what really got everything started was one specific night. When my parents decided to order some carryout at Pizza Hut, there was a Pizza Hut that was local to us from where we live. Right next to the to the pickup counter was a Play Choice Ten. Oh man! They had a Nintendo Play Choice Ten arcade cabinet with Super Mario Brothers. I can't remember most of the other games. I just remember Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Because I played Super Mario Brothers there, and I was stuck there in the time that they had actually were waiting for the carryout, and I didn't want to leave. And right next to it was an advertisement that's like, hey, you can have this at home. You can buy an NES and you can have this at home, right? Oh, man. And so I looked at that and I looked at my dad and I was just like, can we have that for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, we already have an Atari. Like, I, I know, but can I have, I want to play Mario. Yeah, Mario's like, yep. not on Atari, dad. Come on. It wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> so that was really, that because at that point, like I knew exactly that was really what I want. So that was really when the journey really started moving, like at that point. But I can remember, yeah, Super Mario Brothers, the original, was probably the first one that I really asked for and that I really wanted. When we got the Atari, like my dad bought the Atari and he bought Vanguard and he bought many of the other games, but I didn't specifically ask for any of, any yeah. of the games that we got for that. So I would have to say, yes, on the 8-bit NES, Super Mario Brothers, that was probably the first game I actively asked for getting. Then uh, after that, 
that's when we get that's when we start getting into Sonic. So, <laughs> <laughs> but let it be known first here, Mario came first. <laughs> oh man, it's is this is this an exclusive? Is this a scoop? <laughs> right, <laughs> we're all exclusive. Yes, <laughs> she actually started with Nintendo. <gasps> yeah, yep. I mean, what, what a game though to like have be the first like the first game that you're you're longing for. I mean, yep. I feel like it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. Did you read any video game magazines growing up? And if so, which ones? And did you have a subscription? Yes and yes. So um, I the very first one, I definitely can say that I had a subscription all the way up until we moved. And unfortunately, we never um, re- we never renewed it after that. Electronic Gaming Monthly. Oh, that was yeah, the first man. one. Going back to Greg Stewart. Yeah. Electronic Gaming Monthly. Like that was, that was the one I always actively read. We had a subscription. We had a subscription to both EGM and EGM2. We had both. Oh, wow. We had a subscription to both of those. So it was mainly those were the ones that I actively read. And, but there was also Game Pro and Die Hard Game Fan. Those were really the three ones that we now, uh, Game Pro and Die Hard Game Fan. Actually, no, excuse me. We did have a subscription to Game Pro for a little while, but we didn't have it nearly as long as Electronic yeah. Game Monthly. We never had a subscription to Die Hard Game Fan. I always got those in the stores. But one of the things I liked about all those, EGM was kind of the all-purpose one that I always read. I trusted their reviews. Yeah. I liked their exclusives. I liked their previews. Like I liked the coverage that they did mainly for everybody. Like Their, their voices were all so unique that it just kind of hit and well for me. Game Pro, I liked Game Pro because it was a lot more tongue-in-cheek. Like a lot of their stuff was more like they made it more for joking wise and whatnot. Yeah. But then there were some times that they would do um, their game pro strategy guides, like in the middle of it, that proved to be very useful. I still have this one specific issue. Like most of my old school gaming magazines, unfortunately, either got damaged. Or I don't have anymore. One of which yeah. I'm going to get to in a minute. And it, it breaks my heart about the last one. But the um, I have one issue of game pro that I still hold them with me to this day because in the middle of it, it had a pro strategy guide for Fantasy Star 4. Oh, man. And that pro strategy guide when I was a kid playing Fantasy Star 4 on the Sega channel, that pro strategy guide helped me tremendously, tremendously because I was young, I was lost. I didn't really know exactly how to work RPGs at that time, like truly how to play RPGs. And that guide helped me drastically get through the game. Now, granted, it stops at the halfway point. Like once you once you get to the halfway point, they're like, okay, you're on your own now, or you need to go buy the actual strategy guide yeah. for it because there is one. I have it now. But um, <laughs> the irony, the irony of that is that the Game Pro strategy guide for that was a lot more helpful and a lot more detailed and colorful and well made than the actual official strategy guide. Oh man, that's the crazy part on that. But the last one, Sega Visions, of course, Sega Visions. I had a subscription to that. Uh, we had every issue of Sega Visions from oh, the beginning man. to the end. We had it all. Unfortunately, it has been lost. We don't know where it was. It might have oh. been in the attic when it, when you know it got flooded. It might have been something like that. I'm not sure. My parents don't know where where it is. I don't know where it is, and it's yeah, it breaks my heart because you know for those who don't know, Sega Visions was basically Sega's answer to Nintendo Power. Like you got it s- specifically through uh, mail order through Sega. They weren't okay. in stores or anything like that. And they got exclusive scoops, codes, and all kinds of stuff. It's a neat little magazine. But, yeah, unfortunately, I had a full set. I don't have that full set anymore. That's a bummer. And I, I, would, give, I would give significant significant things to have that collection again. Because that's one of my unfortunate losses. That Kind of like my, um, my uh, tattoo for the Punisher on the Sega Genesis. Because Sega Genesis on the Punisher for Genesis... If you bought the game brand new, it actually came with a Punisher tattoo. Oh. And I bought the game brand new when I was a kid. 
somehow throughout the years i've lost that tattoo oh man and that tattoo i never i know i never use because people are like oh you probably used it no i didn't because if i used it i would have a story to tell about yeah. that that's one of the yeah. things i do on youtube i tell childhood stories i would have a story to tell about that i don't have a story to tell about that so somehow i think it either got lost in transitions or somewhere however and it's unfortunate because that tattoo is worth hundreds of dollars so uh yeah i don't think um i don't think i'm ever going to complete that copy again <laughs> man but that's okay though you know, you live, you learn. But yeah, Sega Visions, though. Hopefully someday I can I can get another set of that someday. But yeah, it was EGM, Die Hard Game Fan, Game Pro at a time, and then yeah, Sega Visions. I actually am not familiar with Sega Visions at all. Like, I didn't even know that it existed. It was cool. It was like, I mean, it was a small magazine. I mean, it was like maybe like half the size of like a Nintendo Power. Okay. They were, and it was cheaper. It was cheaper than Nintendo Power. I believe it was cheaper at the time. But yeah, and it didn't last for too terribly long. But from what it did, it was, it was really cool. I believe you could also get exclusive merch through there as well. But yeah, I don't have any of that. <laughs> There's one other, I wish I did. one other thing that you mentioned, and you're the only other person that I've talked to that I now know used the Sega channel. Yes. I had it as well. <laughs> oh, the Sega channel was, was wonderful. It was so good. It was it so was wonderful. good. <laughs> yep. And getting a chance to play games that back then that you would have we would have never been able to play in the U.S. unless if you had like yeah. a connection to import channels or however like Mega Man the Wily Wars, Pulse Man, like just outstanding games. Yeah, you want to know one thing about the Sega Channel that so I had the Sega Channel. We moved like we so I'm I'm from Kansas City. We've lived in Texas for most of our lives. Okay. Um, I was about to start high school, and we moved back to Kansas City. And where we lived in Kansas City didn't have Sega Channel. My parents would have resubscribed. The problem is, is that where we lived, um, I can't remember what cable company it was, but they didn't have Sega Channel. And when you lived up there for two years, but by the time that we went back, Sega Channel was still there. But there's one thing that happened in that time frame that I missed. And it's now unfortunately lost the time. There's only one way to do it. Garfield caught in the act on the Sega Genesis. If you played it on the Sega Channel, they had what was known as the lost levels. There were levels that were part of Garfield caught in the act that they removed out of the retail version. Okay. And you could only get them on the Sega channel. As far as I know, the Genesis version of that game, nobody has been able to preserve those levels. Oh, man. As far as I know. So they're they're gone. They're lost to time. The only true ways you can play those is if you have the PC version of Garfield caught in the act, which I think is called Garfield caught in TV land. Okay. I believe is the name of it. But yeah, so you can play it if you have that version. But the Genesis version, those levels are lost to time. So the only real way that you could say that you've played those is if you had Sega Channel back in the day. And now I'm wondering if I did, because I, I had Sega Channel for quite a while. Man, that was good. Mm-hmm. It was. It oh, was. And it was ahead of its time. So ahead and it was of just time. kind of. It was. And that's, that's just kind of Sega as a whole. And it was mm-hmm. kind of. It was them. It was them to a fault, to be real. It's yeah. just like they were always kind of the. They were the experimental brand. They were the ones that that really started off like you know they were the first ones to really jump into the sixteen bit generation. Uh, they they were the first ones to jump into the generation with the Dreamcast. They were the first ones to try to do like a, a real VR headset. Yeah. They tried to do so many different things that it was awesome. But at the same token, it's like when you're the first at something, you're going to be superseded by somebody else at some way, shape, or form. So they were pioneers almost to a fault, and. As much as I, I love them for that today, even some of that still kind of resonates with Sega and how the way that they handle their business and whatnot today. Uh, okay. I'm really <laughs> heavily thinking about Sega Channel now. I might I might need to yeah, talk to you. We more can talk about more about that. Sega Channel well, if you maybe, want. Maybe maybe in a while. 
Or we could do a whole podcast on that too. I mean, I could the, talk about Sega Channel the, for the hours. Fact, trust me. The fact <laughs> that you said it, I will definitely take you up on that because I. It's funny. I've actually been wanting to do an episode uh, about the Sega Channel for Retro Game Time Machine mm-hmm. for a while, but I haven't talked to anyone else who ever used it. So anyway, all right. So I'll hold off on that, but I actually have a really good childhood story. So if we do decide to yeah. do that, I've got I've got some really good things I could show oh, you, awesome. like on part of for Sega Channel. So okay. Yeah. That that sounds amazing. All right, I'm gonna throw my next uh, question here. What was the first? Uh, well, okay, never mind. This wasn't answered. What was the first gaming console or device that you bought with your own money? Hmm. So the first one I bought with my own money would be the devices that for myself would be the Sega Saturn. Okay. The Saturn was the first one that I actually bought with my own money because here's the funny story about that. So we grew up Sega. We got the Genesis. Then after that, my parents got the 32X. So they got the 32X when it came out, and we you know about the 32X. It was a failure. It died in a year, and it didn't have too many games for it. And so right after that, Sega wanted to put out the Saturn, and they were just like, okay, well, the Saturn's coming out. And I remember that Christmas when both the Saturn and the PlayStation were coming around, and I asked my parents, like, hey, can I get a Saturn for Christmas? And they were just like, wait a minute, didn't we just get you a 32X? So, you know, they don't always, they didn't, at that time, they didn't really always have their finger on the pulse of what was going on yeah, with video yeah, games yeah. and whatnot. So me telling them that, I was just like, oh, well, there's no more games coming out for it. It's done. They're like, wait, it, we just bought you that thing. It's dead already? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, we're not buying you another Sega console. <laughs> so that's what happened. So they, they straight up refused to get a Saturn. But they're just like, well, here's the thing. When I can get you a Saturn, how about we get you a PlayStation? Because they knew about the PlayStation, because yeah. they saw the ads and everything and whatnot. They knew about the PlayStation. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll take a PlayStation. I, I guess I'll take a PlayStation. <laughs> Why not? Because I was just like, you know, and, 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 you know, I was a kid, so I didn't know any better. And I, I, so I was like, I guess I will. And then sure enough, when I got the PlayStation, I fell in love with it. But at, throughout the, the time, I was just like, I still want that Saturn. Yeah. Like, there were still games that I wanted. I'm like, I still want a Saturn. So I might not have gotten it in ma- immediately. But so when I lived up in Kansas City, like, during that time, with the PlayStation, because I still wanted it, and I mowed lawns, I delivered newspapers, I tried to do everything I could. I saved as much little money that I could. You know, for the extra little bit of money I got for making good grades in school, I tried everything that I could save as much as I could. And so we did wind up going to Toys R Us that one day, and I turned to my parents. It's like, I'm going to buy a Saturn. And they were just like, Really? You really want this that bad? You're going to spend that was amount of money to get this one? that bad? <laughs> was it was it the bundle with the three games? Yes, with um, okay. it was Virtual Cop, Virtual Fighter Two, and uh, Daytona. Daytona. Yep, I have that. I have that bundle. So it was nice. that bundle, and I was just like, okay, sure, if you want to do this, and go for it. And so yeah, the Saturn was the first one that I bought with my own money. Uh, all the Saturn games. The funny thing is that the Saturn games that I got when I was a kid, because I got into the Saturn late, like I got into it real late. So a lot of the games were like obscenely cheap. Like you wouldn't even imagine some of those games that I got for literally like ten, twenty dollars. I was back just then. watching the uh, Dreamcast launch video that you did this yep. morning. So yep. I, I so I so anyway, I know what's coming, but please continue your story. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got as many of those games as I could from Toys R Us because they were clearing them out. Literally, I got Panzer Dragoon Saga for twenty dollars. Oh man. That's the crazy <laughs> thing. Like I got that for twenty dollars. I got Shining Force Three for twenty dollars. Uh, like all against Shining Force Three was a was a heavy, heavy want from for that, when that game came out because I love Shining Force too dearly. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I yeah, love Shining, doing Force. Shining Force Sundays, or at least you yep. were. <laughs> uh, oh no! Well, it's, conventions have been happening right now, yeah. so things have been kind of. But it is coming back. But yes, um, I wanted that so badly, and I got twenty bucks, you know. But then, uh, then the Dreamcast came around. So here comes the second uh, console I bought with my own money, 
was the Dreamcast because and I wanted it because Sonic Adventure. Sonic Adventure was like the the key draws. It's like I need this day one. But at the time, you know, I was going to college, and so you know, money was light, and I was like, I really need this though. So yeah, nine nine ninety nine sold by Saturn, sold all the games that I had for it, with exception. I kept Sonic R. I kept the Sonic games. I kept Sonic R, Sonic Jam, and Sonic 3D Blast. I kept those. But everything okay. else, yeah, I I unfortunately let go of, and yeah, not the best decision. <laughs> Not the best oh, decision wow. because later on I was just like, you know what? I want those back. And those games are not, uh, they weren't easy to replace. Uh, granted, uh, I was able to replace a good chunk of them through yeah. trading and other means. So, you know, they don't have to spend like a thousand dollars. Like you might try to get a copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga now. Yeah. It's I like, mean, but doing thankfully, it today, it's insane. Oh, it's nuts. It's nuts. But, you know, it is what it is. Saturn has never been an easy console to collect for. It's always been pricey. It's always been uncommon. But nowadays, it's like, man, if you really want to get it, you're gonna be you're gonna be coughing up some money <laughs> if you really yeah. want to get into collecting for it, or just uh, get get a mode. Exactly, <laughs> other means. As I like to say on stream, it's like through through other means. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. I've got a mode myself. Oh, uh, really? How are you enjoying yeah. it? Yeah. Oh my god. Sorry, I don't amazing. mean to sidetrack, but yeah. No, it's no, no, good. it's fine. It's it's amazing. Um, awesome. I I've. I haven't done any firmware updates on it, so I bet it's even better than what mm -hmm. it was when it first came out. But yeah, I threw that in my Saturn um, as soon as I got it because I love my Saturn, but I'm like, I have like five games and there's no way that I'm going to be collecting for the Saturn with the prices that they are right now. So. Right. That's one thing I've noticed about Saturn. Like there's two consoles that I've noticed because like, I don't always follow like retro game values and whatnot because, you know, I'm not that kind of collector. But the... um. There's two consoles that I can say, because I know it's like most other video game consoles, they fluctuate. Like they have their ebbs and flows. Like yeah. they go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. But there are two consoles that I've noticed just keep steadily rising. They might get a spike, but then they're still cons consistently rising. One is the Saturn. Yeah. The other one is the GameCube. That's the other one that yeah. I've noticed. It's like the GameCube is the one that like consistently keeps going up, 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 up. And I love the GameCube. Yeah, like it's, it's one of my favorite Nintendo consoles. But yeah, those are the two that I've noticed. But Saturn, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the Saturn is a nightmare to to, tr to try to jump into right now. <laughs> yep, that's why I tell everybody too. Like I just made some some trades over at a convention last weekend, but that's why I tell everybody. It's like before you let go, when it comes to anything retro and anything that you might have any sort of like emotional ties or nostalgic ties to, triple guess yourself before you let those yeah. things go. Because the thing is, is that you might think to yourself, oh, I can get it later. That's no problem. I can replace this later. But you don't know how, I mean, we don't have, no. we can't look into the future and predict exactly, oh, how yeah. much this game is going to be. I can tell you a perfect example. Arrow the Acrobat 2 on the Genesis. I had no idea that that game had the value that it was. And I still have it, thankfully. But it's one of those things like you never know. A game could spike at any, in, yeah. in any point. It's, it's it could wild. spike in value at any point. I didn't even realize that that game now goes for like, I think what, like 300 now? Somewhere around like 300, 400? I was just like, yeah, in fact, nuts. I think I'm underestimating that. I think it's higher than that now. But and just randomly, like I don't know what happened. I don't know what did it. So you yeah. never know. But that's why I always tell everybody, trading is great. And selling, you know, sometimes we got to do what we need to do to sell stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, always, always triple check and make sure. A, am I going to feel really bad and regretful about letting go of this later on? And B, how much would it cost if I do need to, or if I do want to replace it later? Yeah. So. It's. Sad times for, for retro game collecting right now. 
<laughs> yep, yep. But hey, you know, the memories never fade. True. The memories never fade. So it's like as long as you have those those memories, that's to me that's what's most important. That's yeah. true. And the other means never fade either. <laughs> that is right. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um all right. Uh next question. Did you have video game or sorry, I guess just video rental stores. I was gonna say video game. But yeah, do you have video rental stores nearby and did you rent games? Um so that's the first part. Then there's like actually, well, okay. So First part, I'm going to leave it at that. And then I've got like three <laughs> follow-ups that are tied into it. Okay, awesome. So yes, video game rentals, we were all about it. We were all about it. So that's one question I get a lot. It's like, man, how do you know so much about all these games? How have you played like so many of these rentals. games? And I can tell you what was my, <laughs> yep, what was my secret? It was rentals because when I lived here in Houston, uh, we, before we moved to Kansas City and however, like in the mid nineties, uh, we actually had a, we had an Albertsons. Like, not too terribly far from where we were. Wait, was it Albertsons or was it... Oh, I'm sorry. Albertsons was in Kansas City. Uh, we had a yeah. Safeway. It's, a, it's the same what was thing, the other name I think. Safeway. Yeah, Knob Hill yeah, maybe might thing. be another one of them. I think so, yeah. I think so. But yes, we had a Safeway where we were. It was within walking distance. So it's like it was on the weekend. Like, I get all my homework done and whatnot. Uh, either my mom or my dad would walk with me to go to the Safeway to go rent games. And they were a dollar yeah. a piece. So literally a dollar a piece for a three day rental. We just oh, brought it back in a on dollar Sunday, for three and boom, days. There was your weekend. Oh, a dollar man. for three days. It was crazy. And so, you know, when you give me five bucks, hey, I got a chance to try like all these different games. And we didn't own very many. Most of the games in my collection that I have, like we got some of them as gifts and however, yeah. but most of them came from when I was working at GameStop. Nice. How I got a chance to play most of those games were through rental. And then, especially in like 32-bit era, like in the PlayStation era and whatnot, when we moved to Kansas City, we had a Farmore and we had an Albertson. So we had two. We had two areas that actually had rentals. Same thing, dirt cheap rentals on the weekend. And it was just, it was amazing. So it seemed like every weekend was a new adventure. Every weekend was a new game, unless it was something like, you know, like Shining Force, where I would want to keep playing it. So yeah. we keep renting <laughs> it over and over again. But um, but yeah, it was, it, that's mainly the two that I remember vividly, at least until the, the next era, like when you got to the PlayStation 2 and PS3, and then Blockbusters and Hollywood videos started coming around. Yeah. And uh, we also, when we moved back to here, there was a Blockbuster within walking distance because, you know, the 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 uh, grocery stores stopped doing game rentals. They stopped doing movie and game rentals. Yeah. So we only had Blockbuster. But thankfully, it was almost in the same lot. So we just started doing Blockbuster after that. But yeah, just this, the memories of going through and just looking at the box art, like on the wall, at Farmore and at Albertsons, like and at Safeway, just looking at those boxes, and that's how I got familiar with so many games. Between that and the magazines, I would read yeah. the magazines and I would see it in the store, and I'd be like, "Hey, I want to rent this." That's how I got a chance to play as many games as I have. Nice. All right. So some follow-ups. Um, is there a game that you were excited to rent and then immediately regretted it after playing it when you got home? Ooh, Fantasia. Fantasia. <laughs> If I could, if I could pinpoint one, well, I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple, but I think Fantasia is probably the one that hits the deepest yeah. because I can think of a couple of others that we rented on the NES back in the day that I was just like, okay, what is this? Like essentially the X-Men game. I do remember <laughs> the X-Men game, the uncanny X-Men on the NES. That's probably the first one, like playing that with my sister. And so I know most of the time, whenever you rent a game, it's like, okay, you're kind of stuck with it for the weekend. But that's the beauty of having a rental store that's within walking distance and having the people that were there that were super cool with you. Like they were super cool with us. So if there was a game that, no, I couldn't stand, like I yeah. hated it like so badly and we were able to go back in the same day, 
they would let us swap it out for a different game. So as nice. long as it was within the same day. If it That's was within cool. the same day, they would let us go back. X-Men was one of them. Because <laughs> I remember like we, we, we rented it because my sister and I were a big X-Men fans. And we rented it. It's like, wow, this game is terrible. I mean, that like, X-Men Saturday just, morning cartoon was so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 90s X-Men. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Wonderful cartoon. We have all of it on DVD. Nice. It's freaking awesome. My wife is a huge X-Men fan, which actually means a lot, considering I was an X-Men fan as a kid. But the thing is, is that, yeah, that was one. But I think one that probably wrecked me and broke my heart the most is Fantasia on the Genesis. That's probably what it was, because, you know, being a huge fan of, you know, not only Genesis, but all, or Sega, but also Disney. We're a Disney house. We love the mouse, even though, yeah, Disney sometimes makes questionable decisions, but we love Mickey Mouse and really anything on that. And Castle Pollution, one of my favorite games on the system. Nice. And, like, I, I love it. It's an incredible game. So how do you follow up with that? And I saw Fantasia. I was just like, oh, my goodness, it's Fantasia. I need to play this. Oh, wow, what a heartbreaker. That was just – and the thing is that that one was one that I did not bring back in the same day. We ah. didn't bring that one back in the same day because – I was determined to play more of it because I was just like, this has to get better. <laughs> like this game has to get better. It doesn't get better. <laughs> In fact, it gets worse. I was like, uh, Oh man. Uh, and I mean, I know the story behind that game now and why it came out to be the way that it is, but it's just such a shame, but that's probably the one that I remember the most vividly renting it. And then like just explaining. And I remember talking to my mom because she would hear me get frustrated at the game. And she's like, why are you still playing it? And I was like, I don't know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. sometimes you just like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's gotta get better, right? It's gotta get mm-hmm. better. And yeah, <laughs> it doesn't always work out. Okay. So flip side, is there a, is there a game that you ended up buying where you rented it with no expectations and you were so blown away and you were like, Oh my God, now I need to own this. Hmm. I think I know. I'm going to actually switch it up a little bit. I know one that actually really blew my expectations away for it. I'm going to talk about PlayStation now. Um, so you, like I said, you follow me, you follow me on Twitch and whatnot. Yeah. One of the things that I do and one of the genres of games I love the most is the mascot platformer. Like the side scrolling yeah. platformer is one of my favorite genres of anything. And um, are you familiar? Um, I know you're familiar with it, but for those who are familiar with Lemmings, the thing about yeah. Lemmings is that a lot of people don't know that Lemmings had a spinoff game on the PS1 called The Adventures of Lomax, and it's a side-scrolling platform. Oh, and I didn't know I, that had anything to do with Lemmings. Yep, yep, it's part of the Lemmings franchise. Okay. And the thing is that my sister loved Lemmings. I did not. As a kid, I actually didn't really care for Lemmings all that much. I like it now, but like back then, I didn't really care for it. So when I saw it, and my sister was with me too, she's like, "Oh, that's that's Lemmings." I was like, and I was like, uh, "I'm not really worried about it." But then I looked at the back of it. I was like, "Wait a minute, this is different." It was like this. It's it's like Mario or Sonic or something like that. I was like, "Eh, why not? We'll rent this one." Took it home, and I was addicted. Guy was absolutely was like, wow, this game is gorgeous. It plays great. It sounds great. I love the level design. It's nice and challenging without being too frustrating and hard. And it also wound up becoming one of my favorite games in the system. From low yes. expectations, somebody's like, uh, this is it's just lemmings. I'm sure I'm not gonna like it or anything like that. But it's like, well, lo and behold, no, th- this game really blew me away. And awesome. it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Now, granted, I also have a soft spot for Psygnosis. Like I, I love their games in the PS1. Well, not all of them. But yeah. they they got some stinkers in there. But the thing is that 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 one in particular, I can probably think like out of anything, looking at it with very low expectations or not really knowing much about it, and then taking it home and playing it and falling in love with it. Yeah, 
it's awesome. Um, but however, I do remember at that same time, like right around after that, I rented the, the Crow City of Angels because I was a big fan of The Crow, the, the movie The Crow with Brandon yeah, Lee. Yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of it. And then I was like, oh, there's a Crow game? I was like, oh, snap, I need to play this. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that was beyond my wildest nightmares. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's wow. a, it was always such a gamble with the licensed games. Yep, yep. But and the Avengers are Usually you're on the me. losing side. <laughs> usually. And then, you get, and then you'll get your, um, every now and then, like, you'll get your Aladdins, or you'll get your, like, Emperor's New Groove on PS1, which is shockingly good. Oh, I never like, you'll get that. You'll get ones like that. Or Sheep Raider, like the Looney Tunes Sheep Raider game. Also fantastic. Like, a lot okay. of people sleep on that one. Great game. But um, but then, yeah, you, you get stuff like The Crow. And, mm. <laughs> but no, Lomax, so that, that game literally blew me away and i had to, i had to have it like after that like i needed to have my own copy but the funny thing is that that was one that always eluded me when i would go to the stores like to try to buy it always eluded me for the longest time so i didn't actually own a copy of the adventures of lomax we kept renting it because like i couldn't buy it i didn't actually own a copy of the adventures of lomax until retropalooza arlington last oh, year cool. and i managed to get one through a trade because it's it's an expensive game okay now. And I managed to get one through a trade. It was funny because, like, I had I had my table and I had my games on my table. And there was a one of my things I was trading was a box copy of Space Mega Force on the Super NES. And people kept looking at it because it's a pricey game too. It was like people kept looking at it like eh, I don't know, I don't know. And then somebody came and was like, "Well, would you be interested in trading?" It's like, "Oh yeah, maybe depending on what you got. It would have to be like a heavy yeah. need like to really do trading." And so he pulls out a bag. He pulls out all these different games. He's like, "I got this game. I got this one." It's like, "I don't." And I don't know if you're interested in, in some of the PS1 stuff. Like, I was like, eh, maybe I might be interested in these. And I showed up, I looked through, and it's like, wait a minute. And I pull out the Adventures of Lomax. It's like, is this for trade? Like, yeah, that's for trade. And so we talked and talked. And I was like, you know what? How about this? No cash trading hands. Let's just do a straight trade. I mean, I took a loss. I took a little sure. bit of a loss on it. But I was like, from, if you look at it from a value standpoint. But they were extremely happy because they really wanted nice. it. And I was like, hey, you know what? A lot of times, like that's the kind of trades that I love. It's like maybe necessarily if like if I can help somebody find a game that they were really looking for yeah. for a long time, and I'm looking for a game that I've been wanting for a long time, it just makes me feel so happy beyond just making money yeah. out of it. And that's that's awesome. That's awesome. And now I finally have Lomax, and that's a game that has been eluding me for so many years, and it's awesome. Awesome. It is awesome. I, expect a uh, treasure chest review on that on YouTube very soon. Cool. That game's awesome. It's awesome. Um, all right. Yeah. No, no, I mean, that's, that's great. Um, so let's see. Next question. Do you have an all time favorite game or gaming franchise? If a singular game is too hard. Oh, okay. Okay. So like a favorite game or a favorite game franchise, yeah. you mean? Okay. Well, well, they're separate. I can tell you like my favorite franchise does not have my favorite okay. game really out of it. So, um, in the favorite game, there's a little bit of an asterisk to it. So I'll do franchise first. Obviously it's like the hedgehog. And Sonic the Hedgehog, my favorite franchise of all time, favorite character of all time. They might not all be winners, but the ones that are winners, like they hugely succeed for me. And like whether it be the 2D style games, like the old school Sonic or the 3D ones like Sonic Adventure or or even like Sonic Colors, which I love dearly. It's one of my favorite games in the franchise. Sonic and also it's Racing Transformed. Oh, like there's so many. It's a great racing game. <laughs> wonderful game. Wonderful game. Like really, to me, it's like that's the only kart racing game out there to really you know, give Nintendo a, a black eye. They didn't knock them out yeah, I'm, for I'm Mario Kart, but they give them a black eye because that game is amazing. Yeah, it's it's not quite Mario Kart Eight, but like it's it's amazing. Though. No, but I but, think it's yeah, the next best thing. <laughs> it really is. It really, really is. But that's probably my favorite franchise of all time. Now, when it comes to my favorite game ever, 
it really teeters between two games. Okay. I mean, from a pure game standpoint, I would have to say Streets of Rage 2. Oh, like, oh, to me, it's like Streets of Rage 2 is the closest to a perfect game for me. <sighs> I mean, literally, like, everything about that game, I love just the, the visceral feel. Like, you know when you're playing a beat-em-up and you can just really feel the impact when you're actually yeah. beating up somebody or you're teaming up with your best friends or however to play through the game. And then just the stages, the the amount of color, the amount of imagination, the variety of the enemies, the sound effects. Like one of my favorite like uh. sound effects of all time is a sound effect whenever you hit somebody with a, with the lead pipe. Yeah. Just that sounds just so <laughs> satisfying. Even so much to the fact that you can still hear it in Streets of Rage 4. Like I love that that they they oh, kept yeah. that they they kept that feel around to it and again it's in in the soundtrack oh my god the soundtrack i mean my favorite video game soundtrack of all time none better none better i think i I think i would agree with that i i was i was lucky enough to get the soundtrack on vinyl from data discs (sighs) i still want the vinyl i still want the vinyl i mean if if you're not on their mailing list yet definitely get yourself on there because they like i've gotten emails about different soundtracks um that they're reissuing that i haven't necessarily been interested in but the original Streets of Rage one came up recently, and I, I'm sure oh. they would want to do Streets of Rage two because like everybody wants that soundtrack. Hmm. Okay, I'll have to do that. But yeah, I, I'll definitely have to do that. <laughs> soundtrack is so good. <laughs> it's amazing. But the whole game is just incredible. But it's like from a pure gameplay standpoint, that probably is. But from a a memories and an importance to my life standpoint, here's the curveball. I mean, my that game has to go to Dance Dance Revolution. It has okay. to go to that. And it's purely because that game literally changed my life. Oh. It did. It brought me. It brought me out of because when I was a lot younger, I was I was very much reserved. I was a much more of an introvert. Like I was I was super reserved. I was really awkward around people. And that game and just the community because I I got learned and drawn to this game. I actually told the story about how I first saw DDR last night on Twitch. Oh man! So I guess that's why it's fresh on yeah, the memory. Yeah. But yeah, it's like. Just the music and the just the people and playing around it, just the the fun of being able to not only like get a good workout, but also just enjoy the game and the strive to always get better, to always beat your personal score, to always try to get that perfect attack, as they say, just yeah. to, that strive and then just bring people together. It broke me out of my social shell. It really broke me out of my social shell. And I started just making so many friends. And then through DDR, not only that, making some of my best friends that I've loved. Not only that, the love of my life, my wife, Ronchan, I met oh, her through DDR. That's amazing. And just so I have a huge, I have a huge tie to that game. As far as like, hey, you know, if I had to choose between like playing this game right now and playing Streets of Rage 2 right now, most likely I'm probably going to pick Streets of Rage 2. Sure. But the thing is, is just that because of how much it affected my life in such a positive way yeah. for many years, I played DDR before I, you know, before things started happening and I couldn't play nearly as much. I played it for pretty much a solid decade. And it's one of the reasons why I kept in such good shape, you know, throughout the days. And even even nowadays, like that, keeping that same fitness journey, as much as I would love to play DDR more, it's just because of the space and the ability to play in the arcade. And, you know, yeah. considering current things that are happening in the world, yeah. it makes it a lot harder to go out and go do that. But, uh, but just because of that sheer tie that I have, if I have to say it's like it's it might not be my favorite game of all time, but it's the most important game to me of That's all awesome. time, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I love that. I I would I would say something similar about myself with uh, the Rock Band series of games. Mm, nice. Music music rhythm. It's it's the whole reason I have that drum set behind me. Um, awesome. It's because of because of fake plastic instruments. Um, <laughs> right. Another thing my that brought my wife and I together: guitar hero and rock band. So nice. yeah, I, I know that is definitely ah, music rhythm games bringing people together. Yep. 
Um, all right. Next question I have for you is have your gaming tastes changed over the years? And if yes, how? Oh, uh, have my gaming tastes changed over the years? Mm, I'd say not really a whole, whole lot. Okay. Because I found that like, so I always steep retro. If I have to really think of like how my gaming tastes may have changed, like from a modern standpoint, uh, I, I still kind of feel that I play the same sort of games that I've really been playing without okay. like the last 10 years or however. Like I still love RPGs. Like I still love action games. I still love platformers. Racing games are always still one of my favorites too, especially like arcade style racing games. Yeah, those are so fun. I can't really say that my um that my tastes have really changed a whole whole lot. I still I still lean more towards side scrollers and platformers, which is one thing that I love that that genre still is going today. In fact, it's it's more booming now than ever, probably. But the uh, I don't, I can't really say that it's changed a, a whole whole lot. If anything, okay. just what I love back in the day, the love that that love has just grown throughout the years. Awesome. Um, well, then the next question I have for you is how has gaming influenced your life? It sounds like it has quite a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just from a creative standpoint, like it, it's just really fueled that fire to, to get this, you know, to get this old brain going. It's what's helped bring out more of my writing abilities and my writing skills and uh, just being able to talk to people about different video games. It's really kind of built my life. It's It's become such a big part of my life that, you know, I decided to. Last year, I decided to, to attempt to try to do this full time. And for the most part, it's it's working fairly well. That's awesome. So, I mean, it, there's a room for improvement. Yeah. And as I talk about ebbs and flows, you know, there are some days that are great and some days that are not. Sure. Um, sleep is a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but other than other than that, yeah, it's, it's still been heavily influential on my life. And even in some days, I would still love to be like a greater part of the video games industry than somebody who just like, you know, makes videos and whatnot. Someday I would hope yeah. to. But for now, I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. Like, I'm definitely enjoying the ride on that. And it's still one of the things that I love doing with my friends. It's one of the things I love doing with my wife. And yeah, it's 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 really been just that huge, important factor of my life. It's mellowed me a lot, especially Sega. Great. All right. Um, then uh, one or not, 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 well, not just one more. I have many more. Um, <laughs> next question I have for you is what is your favorite controller pre Xbox 360 slash PS3 generation? Sega Saturn. Sega Saturn. Which Easy which version? Answer. Two. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> the S controller. Not the original. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, that if you're original. asking me, well, Ugh. the funny thing is like talking from like hot to cold, you know, it's like extremes. Like what controller is awesome and which one isn't is the Saturn. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the original uh Sega Saturn controller at all. Mainly no, because of I the hate D-pad. that D-pad. Yeah. That yeah, I don't know what they were thinking with that D-pad. Like, seriously. It reminds me of the Master System D-pad, how it's all like one just big blob. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't like that. But Wow, did they fix it with the Model 2. Like, because oh, yeah. the Model 2, the way that the button layout is pretty much perfect, that D-pad feels right. It's just really comfortable in your hands. I, I love it dearly. The L&R buttons are just nice and clicky enough. It's super comfy, and it's one of those that, like, someday, I haven't bought them yet, but I know Retrobit. Retrobit has been on fire lately yeah. with all the Sega stuff that they've been putting out. Like, like this guy right here. Like, I, I love this guy. The, the wireless Genesis controller. Oh, I nice. love this yeah, thing. That six it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And not only that, if you get the Bluetooth version, you can you can use it on the Switch. You can use it for Switch Online, which is great. But the um, the Saturn one, I haven't gotten a chance to buy the Saturn one yet, but I need to. I, I have, have one of them. It's good. Of oh, the wireless one? Not wireless. I have the, oh, okay. I have the wired Saturn one, and it's it's indistinguishable from 
my actual real six button Saturn. I wrote, of course, why? Sorry, six button. I'm talking about the Genesis, but it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's just like, I cannot tell a difference between my real black Saturn controller and the clear retro bit one that I bought. Yep. Um, they, they both like, it, it's, it's the same. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they're almost identical. I did notice that with the, with the retro bit ones, they're a little tiny bit with the six button Genesis controller. They're a little tiny bit wider. Okay. The wireless ones, a little tiny bit wider, just a little bit, not enough to really make a huge difference out of anything though. But yeah, they're, they're, they're excellent. They're, they are excellent. I do have one of the wired ones, the pink one, the one that went to oh, breast yeah. cancer. Yeah, yeah. I have the pink one. Cool. So I did get that one, but I want to get one of the wireless ones someday so I can use it on the switch someday. I but, know. Um, I've been thinking about right that behind too. that, right behind that. The funny thing is I would say is the NES dog bone controller. That's oh. the other one. Okay. Because I like that one specifically for two reasons. One is just it really, again, going from a comfort standpoint, having curved edges versus having the squared edge of the original <laughs> yeah. NES controller. For somebody like me who has big hands, like it, it really makes a big difference. But the, I think one of the other key things, and this is why a lot of people that I've talked to about the dog bone say they don't like the dog bone controller, is because of how the slant of the B and A buttons are, because they're, they're diagonally angled. They're not oh. straightforward, like on the original NES. I like that yeah. because of somebody who grew up with the Genesis. So like I grew up with the Genesis, so these buttons were always angled. <laughs> so yeah. now I have an NES controller that has angled buttons similar to that. I wound up after I got that controller, like it makes a huge difference for me when when playing games. And so I want to if I if I do get a chance to play games on the on the NES, like on original hardware and whatnot, I break out that controller because that one, man, it's nice. It makes a big difference for me. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember if I've ever even actually used one of the dog bone controllers, and I don't know if I have. <laughs> right i used to have the the actual top loader nes console i don't have one anymore but uh but i had two controllers nice. and so when i parted with the with the top with the top loader console i kept the other controller and it's like yeah i'm keeping this controller <laughs> good move <laughs> yep um all right uh next question i have for you is are there any games that you appreciate now that you didn't appreciate when you were younger rpgs RPGs just just in general, especially uh, especially during the 16-bit era. Yeah. I can think of one game on the Genesis, actually two games on the Genesis, really that like I didn't quite grasp when I was a kid that were in that same sort of genre that I highly appreciate now. One is Warsong, which is an okay. excellent like war-based turn-based RPG game. It's also known as Langrisser. If you ever know of the the series Langrisser, hmm. uh, that was actually brought to the U.S. by Trico. Warsong, and I had no idea what that game was back in the day. I liked the art, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I just really, where it comes down to, it's like, back in those days, I didn't really know what I was doing. The one uh, RPG that really helped me learn was Shining Force. That was the one that helped me learn how to properly go through menus and understand the story and realizing like how battle systems work and that sort of thing. And yeah. that's when I started playing other RPGs after that. But those games, I'd probably say, are ones that, hey, I go back and look at. But I'm trying to think of other ones that I didn't truly appreciate back in the day that I do now. Many of them do come from the, uh, the PlayStation era that okay. I can think of. And I know one of, I, I, okay, I do have one. I do have one that immediately pops in my mind right now. It's a, it's a Resident Evil style adventure game called uh, Countdown Vampires on the PS1. Okay. Where instead of you fighting zombies, you're fighting vampires. And, like you're taking them huh. and you can't really kill them for real unless you have like the special liquid to take them out. And I remember trying to play it back in the day because I was a Resident Evil fan when I was younger. I still am. I still like Resident Evil. 
but I didn't really give it a chance because it's like, ah, it's just a knockoff. Like, this is stupid. It's cheesy. It's dumb. The acting is bad and all that kind of stuff. But now going back and playing it now, it's a hoot. The game is absolutely a hoot now because, you know, I didn't appreciate it back in the day. And I guess that, you know what, though, going back to your question from before. Now I really realize, OK, maybe I was incorrect on that because my tastes have changed because I know it's like back in those days that the games like that, that kind of have that little bit of a cheese factor to yeah. it, especially like uh, FMV games on the Sega CD. I hated those games back then. <laughs> I couldn't stand them. I could not stand them. But now going back and kind of looking at it and appreciating it like you're watching a B movie yeah, or something like that. Exactly. That's what Countdown Vampires was like. Because it was so cheesy and over the top that back then I couldn't stand it. But now I actually kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm with you on that general, like, just on, or at least in the same vein there where there's probably a lot of stuff when I was younger. Where I'm like, this is way too cheesy and dumb. And where now I'm like, oh, my God, this is cheesy and dumb. This is amazing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, OK, yeah, there you go. We're going back on that question. <laughs> I guess now it just took a moment for that to click. Yeah, no problem. But yeah, there are there are plenty of games like that. Another one, uh, going back to the F&B days, uh, is Fox Hunt. It's an FMV spy game on Capcom put it out okay. on the PS1 called Fox Hunt. I'm actually trying to find a copy of this game. Because actually playing it, again, it's so dumb and cheesy, but you can't help but love it. It's one of those things that you can tell that when they were making this game, you could tell they were having a blast making it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I, so those kinds of things, I'd say, really kind of changed and molded me. But you go back, especially when I still to this day go back and play games that I have a newfound respect for that maybe I liked, especially Twitch. That's also another reason why I love streaming on Twitch. Yeah. I might have liked back in the day that I love now going back and playing it after so many years. High Seas Havoc on the Genesis, perfect example. Like, it's a it's a side-scrolling platformer where you start as a Captain Seal, <laughs> basically to save his family up against a, a giant alligator and, like, and, and so many other different uh, villains. And, like, I remember playing it back in the day and I liked it. But then going back and playing it live on Twitch with, with everybody, I was like, okay, I love this game now. Like, because I rate games normally from, like, when, part of my book. Yeah. I rate games from like on like one G to five G's, like depending on for Genesis, like how I like them. That game, like when I initially talked about it, I gave it a four. But then going back and playing it again, I was like, this game's actually quite awesome. And so I bumped it up to a five. Nice. Like sometimes it happens. Like it might get bumped up, it might get bumped down. Going back and playing through it again because your memories um just like, is this game really as good as you remember? Is it better or is it worse? Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's better. Yeah. So some, but that one definitely worked out for the better. Sometimes you know? it's dangerous going back and playing a game that you used to love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just understand that, like, you know, you might have liked those games back in the day. Look, I'll be completely honest. Like when I was when I was a kid, like I really liked Balls 3D. Like I I don't know why I like this stupid game. I don't. <laughs> and I played it recently and I was just like, wow, this is terrible. Like this is this is actually really really bad, yeah. but I give the game credit for what it is for trying something different. Yeah, like they tried something different, it didn't quite work out. But as a kid, I loved it. Now I'm just like, nah, this is bad. <laughs> so it can it can work either way, you know. All right. Well, my next question for you, I have a good guess as to what the answer is, but I'm I'm curious. Your favorite gaming mascot? Sonic. Yeah, that was. I mean, eh. I'm not surprised. Yep. <laughs> easily. Easily Sonic. Then, um, but you want to know what, though? Here's the interesting question. Yeah. So Sonic's your number one. What's your number two? That's that's the hard part. It's like, what's number two? <sighs> Probably Klonoa. 
Man, that game, that game has been coming two. up recently for me. Uh, a friend of mine was just Play he it. was just streaming it recently and played through uh, Klonoa on the PS1. I also just saw in the Nintendo Direct, there's like a Klonoa remaster thing I'm that's coming. That day one. So yeah, I think that's probably how I'm going to check it out. Or I might, uh, I might end up getting the Klonoa PS1 game for my Vita slash PS3. Yep, you can do that because because if you try to get the original PS One game, ooh, it's pricey. But it's like you can still get it through. You can either wait for the re release. It's like wait for the re release that's going to come out, or you can get it on PSN. Yeah. It's literally like what seven dollars. Yeah. I think it, it's yeah. seven bucks. Very well spent. Yeah, so. that, that'll probably be the way that I end up uh, checking it out. Well, and then and then I'm, maybe the remaster. Who knows? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm so happy it's coming back. And I'm just like, everybody, please, like, if you're any sort of, like, interest in this game, support this, because I want a Klonoa 3. Yeah. And it's like, I want a Klonoa 3. So that would just be wonderful and amazing. And, yeah, I, I'm so happy that that's happening. But this, as far as, like, you know, gaming mascot, because even though he's not really a mascot per se, Na- Namco's mascot is Pac-Man. Yeah. But, like, but the way that I see it, it's like, he's still close enough that if Pac-Man wasn't around, he could have been a mascot. Yeah. Hell, Pac-Man's on his hat. Yeah. So just like, yeah, it could have been, but between that and then I, if I had to pick anybody right behind that crash bandicoot, I would say crash bandicoot right before that. So, but yeah, Klonoa, my boy, but of course Sonic is number one. Yes, absolutely. So this next, this next question might be difficult because I've seen on your YouTube channel that you have this series of videos that are three things that you're proud to own. So mm-hmm. th- this question is, do you have a favorite item singular from your game collection? For my gaming collection? Just like one thing that is like your favorite. Now, now you're talking about games or just anything involving video anything games at all? At like all anything in your gaming, like greater gaming collection. Doesn't have to be a specific game. Hmm. No. Hmm. Could be a hardware, memorabilia, uh, anything. I think probably my favorite because again, going back to it being like a, this is a once in a lifetime thing that you could only do at that particular point in time. It's probably my 1994 blockbuster world championship pin. Oh, nice. Probably is my number one because it's like, I worked my butt off to get that and just losing by two points. Uh, by two points. I almost went to finals by two points. Oh, man. <laughs> almost went to Florida. I was so close. It's just, it just that whole night. Like, I remember that whole day very, very vividly and just keeping all the – again, you're talking about that that video where I showed all the, the unique pieces that I kept. I kept everything that I possibly could from competing in that tournament in 94. I kept everything I could. But the one piece out of that probably is that pin. Like really out of anything, because like if I I don't know what I would do if I lost oh, that, because <laughs> it just it, it does mean a lot. Uh, but if I had to pick like a game wise, if I had to pick a game, man, it probably would still be Mega Man: The Wily Wars. Yeah, it probably would still be my original Wily Wars. Now, granted, I have the re-release from Retrobit now. Oh, cool! But it probably would still be my original PAL copy. Because it was, there are very few games that, like, when reading, going back to Die Hard Game Fan, one of the reasons why I read Die Hard Game Fan was because of their coverage on imports. Okay. Like, they, they did a really, really incredible job talking about imports of how I got exposed to, like, Cotton and a couple of other series that I loved, was mainly through Die Hard Game Fan. And they talked about the Wily Wars a lot, a lot, a lot. And I remember wanting that game so badly, so very badly, and then playing it on the Sega channel and then falling in love with it and wanting it so badly throughout all the years. And, like, you could never get it because it never came to the U.S. And so um, later on down the road, I managed to 
you know, there was somebody on Facebook who was like, okay, this is like in the early stages of Facebook groups yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And they were like, oh, I've got this Mega Man The Wily Wars. I'm looking for a copy of Bucky O'Hare on the NES to trade. And I had Bucky O'Hare. You know, it's like, I have Bucky O'Hare. Let's make this happen. And so it's it's one of those games, like, because I've wanted a copy on it for so, so, so long. And then finally getting it. And that was really the first major kind of video game trade that I think that I've done. So there's a lot of there's a lot of ties to it. And it's signed by KG and a few yeah. now from when we met to SGC. So that made it even better. And just, yeah, I, I probably say out of a, a video game standpoint, the game that's probably the most important one to me. But as far as any item in my collection, yeah, I'd have to say it's 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 got to be that it's got to be that pen. cool. It's got to be. Um. All right. Well, next question I have for you is: If you could go back in time to the release day of any console or game, which would it be and why? Hmm. I go back to any release date. Of any console or a game. Yeah, this is this is going to be a little bit of a tougher one. Because many of the other ones that came through on release dates, when I really knew about, like, release dates yeah. and all that kind of I, stuff. I know that, it like, back in the day, it wasn't the same as it is now. Like, you know, Sonic right. Tuesday is really what kind of, like, drew that line in the sand, so. <laughs> yep, yep. I'd probably say, if I had to go back to anything, I think it would be... If I could have been actually been involved with the release on the Saturn, like the actual release date of the Saturn, because the thing is, is that if, if Sega had actually released it when it was supposed to, it probably would have happened. <sighs> yeah. But just the fact that it actually dropped in those days, if I was able to be there on day one to pick up a Saturn and get that, I probably would have really enjoyed it. That would have been a wonderful story to tell. But just the sheer fact that it came out of warning, we couldn't really plan for yeah. it. And as I mentioned before, you know, my parents didn't want to get one because, you know, yeah. if I asked them to buy one then, then, um, yeah, we all know the story. That wouldn't have happened. But the thing is that if I, if I could have been involved in any console on day one that I wasn't involved with, it would have been that. Because I got the Dreamcast on day one. I got the PS2 on day one. Uh, most of the other consoles after that, uh I didn't really, I didn't really try to get them on day one, like initially. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be like an early adopter of anything like that. I know my wife actually has some fond memories of waiting in line to get a Wii, like outside of a Best Buy, because her family wanted to get a Wii really badly. But the, um, but as far as that goes, yeah, I'd say that would be the one that I've really, I, if I could have a story to tell about being there for the launch day of a Saturn, yeah, that probably would be it. Awesome. Um, let's see. Next question I have for you is what is your favorite thing in gaming right now? Now this could be a, a modern game, a particular genre of game, hardware, different trends, kind of, kind of out there, whatever it means to you. I think probably the biggest thing for me is the, the revival and the renaissance of some of Sega's IPs that probably would have never been touched throughout uh, throughout the years out of anything. At Streets of Rage 4, 2020, need I say more? Yes. Now, it's, it, it's just, so good. Just the sheer fact that I'm glad that now Sega is a lot more open because there are many games that have just been stuck to time that they've, they've left uh, sitting in the past mainly because they didn't do well in Japan. So they just kind of let it sit and okay, whatever, I guess we'll just yeah. let it be dormant. And there are so many IPs that even today they could still touch, but just seeing the fact that streets of rage four kind of opened the gates, like that one kind of opened the gates for more and more stuff to come through. So not only did we get that, like we got the, the remaster of Panzer Dragoon, yes. which I know that's still making a little tiny bit of a comeback. 
it gives me hope that maybe we might get a Panzer Dragoon Saga HD. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'm crossing my fingers, fingers crossed. too. <laughs> Hopefully, because we know two is in the works. Zwei's in the works. Oh, so yes. if we could get, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I remember know. Forever Entertainment. No date or anything like that, but Forever okay, Entertainment said, yeah, they, they're definitely working on that. But I know that's coming. And then we've got we we have the Alex Kid remake. We had Asha and Monster World. We had that remake. There are plenty of other things coming. Even some of Sega's classic games showing up in games like Judgment and Lost Judgment, like little tiny things that are that are popping through. Like Sega is realizing that, hey, you know, we might not be able to do it ourselves, but they're a lot more open to letting other companies do it. And I think now that we've had these successes, the sky's the limit. I'm really hoping that maybe we might get a new Crazy Taxi or Jet Set Radio or, or hell, even a new Ristar. Like I will, I would love to see a new Ristar happen, yeah. like out of anything. But um, that's probably the biggest. One of the biggest casualties of the Genesis that that he was a one and done, and that's it. It's, it's just it's a real shame because it was an excellent game. But who knows? It might happen. It just might happen. And I, I love the fact that these sort of games, and then not only that, the revival of just like the retro inspired game, beat 'em ups, especially. Again, yes. going back to Streets of Rage love 4. Beat 'em ups. Yeah, Streets of Rage 4 <laughs> really opened up again other games like The Takeover and Fight and Rage and that new one, Final Vendetta, that's coming out from Bitmap Bureau. I'm really excited for. Like, I'm really, really oh, excited okay. for that. I don't know, but I don't know so, if I've heard of that yet. It just got announced. Oh, it okay, just cool. got announced literally yesterday, oh, <laughs> I think. Well, great. <laughs> brand new. Brand new. And I'm like, I'm so excited because I love their work. So Xenocrisis, one of my favorite games of the last couple of memory. So it, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of their work and I'm, I'm really glad they're bringing this back in. But yeah, it's just that, that renaissance of this particular style of game. So not only is it great for people like us who grew up with that, with retro in that generation, but for the new generation to see this too. And maybe that might spark their interest in looking into stuff like old school Sega, old school yeah. Nintendo, that sort of thing. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's see. I'm, I'm in the last three questions here. Uh, so if you could go back in time to change one thing in gaming history, what would it be? Hmm. Because it makes you wonder now. If you could change one thing in history. My heart wants to say, stay on course with the Saturn. Like if, if Sega had stayed on course with the Saturn and released <sighs> it when it was supposed to yeah, and didn't jump the gun. And if they had, hey, even if that, like initially they're like, this is coming out at the same time, still going to be three ninety nine, and then like Sony dropped the ball on them. If they still dropped the ball on them, and like okay, two ninety nine, that would have given Sega plenty of time to figure some things out. It's like okay, no, we'll we'll put our system out at two ninety nine. So it's like take that loss. These games are coming, and like all yeah. these all these other franchises are coming. All these other retailers are still going to carry our products. Like all this kind of stuff. Who knows what would have happened? I question too. Like people wonder, like if the Saturn didn't have the you know, the impact that it did, if the things didn't happen, if Sega didn't kind of shoot themselves in the foot yeah. when it happened, who knows? They might still be in the console race today. We might not have gotten something like an Xbox. Like, who knows what, what might have happened if that would be. So, yeah. but my, but your question was, if you could turn back time, like if you could turn back time and, and change yeah, one and thing. Change something. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, changing Sega's approach to the Saturn, I think would be huge. <laughs> well, it would either be that or... Like, say, throughout the turnover and however, when they brought in, like, a secondary CEO, I'd probably say, like, bring in another CEO that wasn't actively against the big things that made the Saturn a success in Japan. Maybe that might have done that. But um, who knows? Who knows? But I think if I could change that, then the Dreamcast might have been a bigger success. It might still have things going today. 
Who knows? A big question. But uh, asking things like if you could change things in the past is always kind of tricky for me because I'm always of that. And I, I said this in the Dreamcast video because it's like, yeah, it's one of those things I always feared. It's a, it's a Homer Simpson dinosaur effect. Like he goes back in time, he sneezes on a dinosaur. Everything changes. So I say, hey, if that happens, maybe maybe I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Maybe I might not have met my wife. It's one of those weird, True. weird things. So but I am curious. I am curious what really would have happened if Sega had stuck the course and released that. What if they actually had never released the 32X? I think that's actually one of the other things, too. If the yeah. stuff that they had in development for that, they just didn't jump the gun with the 32X and moved it all over to the Saturn. Who knows? Maybe. What if we had gotten a proper Sonic game on the Saturn and not just a port yeah. or in a collection? Who knows? Because I still think that if you if you play Sonic Jam and you see the overworld on Sonic Jam... And the bonus stages in Sonic 3D Blast, like if you look at those, you can see that a 3D Sonic game on a Saturn could have worked. It yeah. really could have worked. But I think they were trying way, way too hard to 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 make something like Sonic Extreme. They're trying way too hard to do something like proper, proper unique. I'm like, you don't really have to go that far. Look at those two. Like, and, and it was very well done. But who knows? But as we're saying today, though, I mean... Yeah, uh, that would be one thing I'd be curious to see what would happen if they had stuck to the course with the Saturn. Yeah, we we still might have a Sega home console, which I would be pretty happy about. <laughs> yep. Now, I get that question a lot. Like, you know, I w would you love to see Sega come to the console race now? No. <laughs> yeah, Not I don't now. know. Not I don't now. know if now it would work, but mm -hmm. if they would have never gone away, then yeah, that's a whole other story. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right, penultimate question. What three games would you recommend to my audience to play? Like, is in full general? Yeah. Like, in full just general? Any, any just any three games. Just throw them on out there. Mm -hmm. Any three games to play. Well, I would probably say, like, and my heart wants to say, play Streets of Rage 2. But you know what? Just from a general audience, Streets of Rage 4. I would say play Streets of Rage 4 first, like really out of anything, okay. because not only does it pay that homage to Streets of Rage 2, but all the upgrades, all the different abilities, all the depth, because it's it's a lot deeper than it looks. The graphics are incredible. The music yeah. is incredible. That would probably be one if you're, especially because like you love beat-em-ups. You say you love beat-em-ups. So if you love that, then that's really an excellent place to start. Uh, Sonic Generations. I was going to say Sonic Mania. But I feel like a lot of people have, said, have played Sonic Mania. Mania is awesome. But Generations... Yeah, I don't think I've played Generations. But Generations, though. It actually adds that nice little tiny bit. I feel that, like, while Sonic Mania did an incredible job of bringing Sonic back into a new generation that might not have either given a chance or have, like, haphazardly said, oh, you know, it's, it's a Sonic game. It's not going to be good. It's like, no, Mania was, was wonderful. But don't sleep on Generations. Because, like, for those who are just the huge, huge fans of Sonic, I feel that it did a much better job of giving the fan service and giving that nice little bit of love letter to the fans. It's not perfect. It definitely has its flaws. But to me, it's like there's so much that you could do in that game that it, I, I'd say anybody who has any sort of any sort of inquiry about Sonic, I think that's really that's really the one that I think that anybody should really jump out and play. <sighs> Man, and then for a third one. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say Xenocrisis. I am going to go ahead and say Xenocrisis okay. for my third one. Granted, these are all Sega stuff, right? <laughs> so Hey, makes sense. Because uh, I love like kind of top-down shooters in the top-down arena-style twin-stick shooters in the vein of something like Smash TV, right? 
But again, yes. going back to just how immersive the game really feels and the music is incredible. The action and the pacing on it is just nonstop, especially if you played a current gen version. Like if you played a current gen version, then it's even more intense. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think I watched you stream that. I think that was like, I don't know if it was one of the first times or not that I was watching you stream, but I was like, oh my God, wait, this is, this is an old game, but it's new yep. also. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and just basically taking the Genesis and what it could do and just really showcasing what it could do now. And the game came out in 2019. It's like basically showing this now. And it's just, it's so incredible. It is one of the epitomes of the, hey, just one more go, just one more go. I know I could get this good ending. I still have not gotten yeah. a good ending. It's it's a rough game. But it is one of those that just like, once you start playing, if you love those kinds of twin stick shooters, like to me, it's it's my favorite. It's my favorite out of all of them. So much that I bought the game multiple times. <laughs> I just got <laughs> it on that. Well, I didn't, I didn't buy it. They actually gave it to me, which is awesome. I just got the, uh, the Neo Geo version from bitmap oh, bureau nice. i've been dying to, to play it so expect me to play that very soon awesome well my final question is where can people find you how can they get more of g to the next level <laughs> well uh first off i'm on youtube so youtube.com slash g to the next level i'm working on some new projects right now that are uh, they're really excellent one about is about the 32x so basically, okay. again, like an end to end about the gaming library of the 32X. I've got several other things in mind, like about when uh, my wife and I built the Sonic Lego set. I'm doing a game room tour. I'm doing a Sonic collection update. There's all kinds of stuff. I know it's been quiet for a little bit because I've been trying to gather everything together. But yeah, YouTube is probably one of the best places to find me. And of course, on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash G to the next level. So um, find me. I, I stream four days a week, sometimes five. It really all depends on what's happening. Retro, retro inspired stuff. Um, yeah, there, and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram again, G to the next level and look for the, uh, hopefully sometime within 2023. That's what I'm shooting for, uh, for the okay. book. I already have a publisher nice. line, which is awesome. So now I just need to, I just need to get the grass out there start working on the layout, figure out everything that we're going to do. So my goal is to try to get that book published in 2023. That's, that's my goal. That's amazing. So that's really where it is. But those are really the best uh, places to find me as well. Cool. Well, I'm going to also make sure that I have links to all of those things uh, handy here in the show notes. So people don't have to go, they don't have to go looking anywhere. They can just tap on stuff and be right there. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess that's all I have. I mean, I feel like I really could sit here and ask a lot of other things and talk about the Sega channel, but need let's, to talk about the Sega I, channel. Yes. <laughs> need to do that uh, sometime in the future. Cause man, I, that, that was, the, that was the thing where like I convinced my parents, look, you don't need to give me an allowance. Just pay for the Sega channel like that. I don't have to go to the video store and I can have access to 50 Sega Genesis games yep. every month. Like that's a no brainer. Yep. Come on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, look, I definitely look forward to that. Um, all right. Well, I guess then I'll take us out of here with the outro. So uh, just a reminder of these to, to everyone listening or even watching, because now this, at least these interviews are on YouTube. Uh, these interview episodes are also hosted in video format on the Rush Game Time Machine YouTube channel. Head over there to check it out and don't forget to subscribe. But as always, thank you for listening to the show. We know there are a lot of podcast options out there. We appreciate you taking the time to put our words and in this case, our faces 
uh, into your eyes, words into your ears. It really does mean a lot. You can also check out the website at www.retrogametimemachine.com and you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and, you know, like everywhere that podcasts are. Uh, you can join us on Discord, follow on Instagram, Twitter, and you can also support uh, the Retro Game Time Machine for the $2 and $5 tiers on Patreon. May your video games be fun, and bye for now.